Hi, I'm George Tekmichov here with Steve the Big Cat Anderson. It's another Easton Target Archery Podcast. You know which one this is? 255. 201. 201. We're over the 200 mark, man. All right. We did it. We did it. After seven long years, we're, <laughs> we're over the 200 mark for podcasts. That's pretty remarkable to think about. Steve, you've been a busy boy. You've got a lot going on. You went to ATA, or ASA, excuse me, and, um, you know, I, I got to see you in Vegas a little bit. A lot of stuff going on as we get ready for outdoor season. A lot happening. A lot going to happen. I'm looking, like I thought, okay, we're kind of through the busiest part of the year, and then April is looking terrible. Yeah. Um, I get to go to Japan next week with Easton's president. Nice. That'll be fun. He's never been there before, so I kind of get to play tour guide a little bit. That'll be a good time. Absolutely. I, I, I'm trying to decide whether I'm going... Because, you know, um, I'm actually going to take him sightseeing for part of a day. And I'm going to go to Kyoto. And I'm trying to decide whether I should take him to the Golden Temple or to Sanju Sangendo, which is the famous temple in Kyoto that is dedicated to the sport of Kudo. I'm looking it up. Sanju Sangendo. I actually spelled it right, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. I'm thinking Sanju Sangendo because, you know, a big chunk of Easton's business involves Kudo. You know, Easton is actually the number one supplier of Kudo arrows in Japan. And it's Sanju... Pretty cool temple. So if you look at that temple, folks, if you have a chance, put the podcast on pause and look up Sanju Sangendo. S-A-N-J-U-S-A-N-G-E-N-D-O. One word. With a line over the O. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Look at that roof and look at the hallway under the roof. So for a couple centuries in Japan, they used to have this tournament every New Year. In fact, they still, they they brought it back. And the principle here was that you would have to shoot a bow about 80 meters shooting flat enough to not hit the beams overhead overhead, but to hit a target at about 80 meters with a kudo bow and they're doing that from a knelt position to give them a little extra clearance right but think about that the record was set by a kid who shot 12,000 arrows in 24 hours at probably about 70 pounds. Now do the math. It works out to like one shot every, I don't know, six or eight seconds for 24 hours straight. And he got some like 80 something percent hits on this target butt that's about 80 centimeters at 80 meters. How do you not die? Well, he never picked up a bow again after that from what I understand. But it's a, it's a famous thing. Anyway, inside of there is 1,001 statues of the Buddhist goddess Kanon. And Kanon is one of those multi-armed, you know, um, Buddhist uh, gods. Going back, your math doesn't check out. 12,000 seems literally impossible. Look it up. I mean, if you shot five... Right, we're going to put the show on pause while Steve looks this up. If you shot an arrow every five seconds, it'd be 12 arrows per minute. I know. So 720 per hour. So look up Sanju, look up okay. Sanju Sangendo record. 
You'll find it. Don't put the show on pause. All right, I'm leaving the show on. Record. All right, let's see here. Holy smokes, nine arrows a minute. I wasn't exaggerating. So he did, uh, yes, <laughs> closer to 13,000 arrows. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, if anything, I understand this. What a freak. So, How yeah. How did his arms not fall off? Well, they might have, because as I understand it, he didn't shoot again. This thing's been around since like 1100. You know the year, and um, so this this uh, tournament was held for 255 years straight. Is there a diaper involved? No, I don't think so. Uh, they, I, I mean, you know, you don't have time. <laughs> God, was he shooting? Like, I don't know. Never mind. I'm just gonna accept it for what it is. The internet says it's true. So, well, I, I wasn't making this up. Actually, um, the target butt is not as big as I said. It's a little smaller than I said. But anyway, uh, it's got... I, I brought up this subject, the subject, the, um, the goddess, the Senju Kanon. Um, there's a thousand and one statues, life-size statues of Kanon in there. And these Kanon all are holding different things in their arms. But every single one of them has one thing in common. They're holding a bow and an arrow. Some of them are holding a mirror. Some of them are holding something else. You know, because you got plenty of arms, you can hold all kinds of stuff. Also, also but every single one of them is holding a bow and an arrow. Huh. So, I remember one time I took one of our uh, coworkers there uh, about ten years ago, and I said to this person, "I said, all right, you've never been here before, and I haven't been here in a couple of years, but I guarantee you, I'm going to point to a specific spot, and you're going to see an arrow." you are gonna see an arrow stuck in this specific beam. And without even looking, I pointed, and sure enough, there was Still a- there? So, so many arrows have hit those beams over the years that they have had to replace them. And in the exhibit, inside the temple, there is a basketball-sized chunk. Now this, this uh, beam is almost a meter thick, but it's been hit by so many arrows over the years that there's this giant cavity cut into it and all the arrows are broken off and they're the you know original bamboo pseudo yeah. arrows that it looks like a porcupine you know because yeah you know it's just amazing how many uh, arrows have hit that thing over the uh, centuries so they actually had to replace it because it became structurally weakened but anyway that one or, or the uh, or King Kakuji King Kakuji is uh, uh, the golden temple in Kyoto and if there's time I'll, I'll probably try to go to both but uh, I, I think if you go to Japan and you don't get to see Kyoto I just looked up this beam full of arrows and it, it's surreal like it's on there a picture yeah yeah I wasn't making that up I typed in Senju Sengdo say it again Senju Sangando Senju Sangando beam with arrows and it was the first picture that pulled up well see it's interesting that there's a picture because you're not supposed to take pictures in the temple it, this looks like it was like actually removed. One. Yeah, it looks like after they removed the beam, they took a photo of it. But uh, pretty wild. Pretty wild stuff. There's a photo if you want to peek there. Oh, there it is. Yeah, that's it. That's what I was talking about. There it is, everyone. That's actually inside the temple. That's inside the visitor entrance. 
I know you can't see this if you're listening to the podcast, but you can know that it's what it is because of how we said it. Yeah, you can. Uh, there it is. Uh, it's it's uh, it's right there. It's the first thing that comes up on Google. If you type Sanju Sangando arrows, boom, there's the image. So you're gonna go there. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you see that fire extinguisher sign right there. I, I've seen that fire extinguisher sign right there because that's, that's pretty exact. Cool. I know exactly where that where that beam is located. Anyway, interesting stuff. So yeah, um, you know the, the the main purpose of the trip is uh, we're going to go to the uh, high school championship. This um, is going to be a big event taking place once again at the traditional location for archery in Japan, which is the Tsumagoi Resort, which used to be the Yamaha Corporate Resort in uh, Kakigawa. And uh, there they have the Senbatsu, the selection tournament for high schools. And one of the interesting things about that one is it will have scouts from all the major universities in Japan scouting the high school kids. Looking for the blue chip prospects. Looking for the prospects to come to their schools to compete in archery under, you know, full ride scholarships in some cases. Right. I wish we had more of that here. Yeah, there's a always always hope for more yeah. out of collegiate archery. And there will also be some corporate recruiters, right? Companies like Toyota and uh, Edeon and uh, Mickey House and some of these other companies. They actually will recruit shooters from this event um, and, you know, pay them a salary and, and and their job is to maybe come in the office twice a week and the rest of the time they're supposed to train and shoot archery and represent the country. They value it. They value it. So it's it's pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah. So I believe that uh, the other thing is that, you know, there's some opportunity to show off compound and so we'll be doing a little bit of that too. That's one thing that you don't see much of in Japan is compound. But now you got Korea taking compound really seriously. I don't know if we've talked about this much on the podcast, but, you know, the whole Korean team came out here. Yeah, it was um, a good time. And they trained here for a week. And, um, you know, we worked with them along with their coach, Rio Wild. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, it seems like they got some results because did you see that score sheet that I sent you? Probably. There were some big numbers on that score sheet after they uh, went back to Korea and started shooting for score at 70 meters, or at 50 meters, excuse me. They uh, you know, were more than a few 700s broken. Uh, well, that's to be expected. I think they had, uh, if I remember right, there was like a 716. Yeah. They they sent us a nice letter as well, thanking us that for their nice time letter. here. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was very kind of them. Um, you know, Thomas Hahn, um, who's the vice president of their federation, a very classy guy. He, uh, he uh, really was very kind with his assessment of how that went. So that was nice to see. It's a good and, time. Yeah, and I'm you know, looking forward to working with, continuing to work with them and Rio and see how it goes with their efforts going forward. Um, but do you think their step forward in compound will push others to do the same? I guarantee that it will question is going to be timing and there's another factor Bertie has told me that one highly placed official has told another highly placed official that there is currently considered to be about a 99% chance that compound will be represented at the Los Angeles games and that the only possible impediment to that <laughs> would be 
if USOPC, the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, specifically does not want it. I have no indicator from USOPC on this subject, but that is a statement that was made by one very high official to another very high official in a faraway foreign country in recent days. I can't be more specific than that except to say, trust me when I say this is, you know, at the top of the food chain. So I think think? you opened a potential can of worms here. Oh, yeah? Not necessarily a can of worms, but that's a big... That's a big statement. Is it? Feels like a big statement. And I'll also say this. The way things are, I think 99% certainty feels like 1% certainty. You're not wrong. So, but you're telling me there's a chance. I'm telling you there's a chance. That's interesting. No, that's that's actually seriously a statement that was made and related back to some people who I trust. And I I believe that uh, that is at least the way it's being presented right now. I may have to start training again. You might have to start training again. Or coaching. Um, you know what? Coaching is, I think, where it's going to be at going going forward. Yeah, for, my, I'm going to be past my accomplished prime people. by 2028. But Oh, know. I don't know, man. You know, that's the one thing about compound that does differentiate it from recurve is that I think you can have a little longer career. I, really I will be 40 in 2028. 40 is the new 50, man. Or the other way <laughs> 30 is the new right 40. Right now, yeah. No, no, it's the other way around. That's how I feel. But, yeah, I think I'll be uh, I'll be a little bit past the prime. I mean, if you if you told me to get after it today, I think I could still get after it with the best of them. Well, here's but the thing, though. And it's going really to be a tough believe, ask. I sincerely believe there's two things required. One of them is work, and the other one is talent. And you have the talent. So the question is, are you willing to put in the work? I don't think I can. You know, the way my career is and... Uh, yeah, and some changes coming to your yeah, life. Yeah, you and, have family and all that. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to become a... I mean, there's a reason that most of the most of the Olympic recurve archers are like 18, you know? Well, that's also partly because I think it's... I would argue that it's harder even than it is with compound to make a living with recurve. And so there's a, you know, here's the thing. Some of these kids are putting off career and retirement savings and, you know, they're not looking at it that way, right? They're, yeah, it's a little bit concerning in some scenarios. Can be. Some some of these kids, you know, there there was a guy on the USA team who he just held on too long and... There's been more than one. Yeah, I remember thinking like, man, you need to... You need to like get going in, in your job. Thankfully, he was able to find a place. Actually, you know, kind of doing his thing, uh, sticking close to archery. But you know, it would be easy to chase it for too long, never have it really pay off. I mean, even if you go to the Olympics, it doesn't always mean it's a total payoff. You uh, going to accomplish archery and going to the Olympics in some other sports, not the same. Yeah, thing. totally different thing. And then you get done with the Olympics and it's over, and it, literally everyone forgets about you the next day. Yeah, like they don't care anymore unless yeah. you went and had success. So, you know, you got to figure out how you want to. Now, if you've got other talents, career. If you've got other talents, you can take that Olympic success and leverage it into other stuff. But you've got to have those other talents. Jay Bars comes to mind, you know. 
Jay's a natural speaker. He, you know, um, made bank after he won the Olympic Games giving motivational speeches and stuff. And, you know, went to work for a, a medical company um, doing uh, high-end, high-level executive stuff. Um, but that's because he had a talent pool for already being able to speak in public, being able to uh, understand business. And those things are things that he used to help. The, the Olympic medal helped him leverage those skills that he had. And then he took those and leveraged them into other things. Right. Which is where a lot of people, they might hit that first step, it's but the then in four years there's a new Olympic champion, you're forgotten. Right. And you've got to have already moved on from it, right? So you've got to, at best, as an Olympic champion, you've got a four-year window to make hay. And then, you know, you, you hope something, there's some residual after that. But Jay was smart enough to move into other career opportunities yeah. and, and do stuff a different way. Yeah. So, so I'm just suggesting that, uh, yeah. you know, my point is, you know, uh, for me personally, like, no, I would not turn around and chase it. You know, I sacrificed a lot trying to be a professional archer as it was from, you know, 24 to 34 that I am now there's, you know, you give up a lot, but um, you gained a world championship. Yeah. It was cool and all, um, <laughs> you know, without getting too personal, I, I once joked that I've had the most success of anyone in my family, and I'm by far the poorest of anyone in my family. In other words, you've accomplished the most um, public-facing thing. Yeah, I say that kind of jokingly. I know you're joking, my, yeah. my brothers are very accomplished as I, well. So I've heard, yeah. Um, but, it, you know, I picked an arena where there's just not... Uh, if only you'd pick golf. Yeah, right. You right. want to be as good as you can in a sport. If you're going to be a top, say, 10 at one point in your career, you want to do it in golf or tennis or something like that. Yeah, but, you know, there's also a lot of competition in those spaces as well. And, yeah, it's and way harder. A lot, you know, I mean, it's like basketball. You play basketball yeah. at a pretty high level, you know, collegiate basketball at a, at a school that, you know, where basketball was taken seriously. And, um, you know, you probably made a rational decision that said, yeah, I don't know if I want to be on the Italian circuit. That was that was a thing, and it wasn't a thing, an opportunity that ever was presented to me um, just because my career was ended by injuries far before that. But it was kind of a thing that people from my level of, from what we'd call like a mid-major or low-mid-major uh, Division One basketball program would do. So they'd go pursue European basketball. Right. And, you know, I had a, teammate play in Germany, do really well over there for a while. And, and you know, even he was like, nah, I'm going to come back home and become a lawyer. And that's what he did. Yeah. And uh, far more lucrative than German basketball. Well, and not to mention that, I mean, if, you're, for if, life. You're, if your career is predicated upon your athletic ability, you're literally one bad step away from yeah. the end of your career. Yeah, you fall down the stairs and ruin a shoulder and your archery career is done. Yeah. So anyhow, we've gotten pretty far off track. Point is, kids, um, Sanju Sangendo. go to school. And, and, and don't shoot 13,000 arrows. Don't shoot 13,000 arrows because that will end your career. Yeah. And go to school. Yeah, go to school. Hey, um, it is an exciting time, though, because we're doing the transition right now. Uh, indoors pretty much wrapped up. The Italians just had their indoor championship. 
the uh, French just had their indoor championships, so now we're looking at outdoor season rolling around. The French are already in the process of selecting their national outdoor teams. Our friend Nico Girard seems to be doing pretty well. Um, he's he's uh, banging it out. I thought, you know, it might be interesting to have a chat about what our predictions might be for the upcoming season uh, with all the events coming up. I have almost written these down. Okay. So we talk and we were talking before here we about were. predicting a World Cup final champion. Okay. In each category, and a world champion at the World Championships in Berlin, end of July. Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, it's uh, the first week of August, uh, end of July, first week of August. Yeah. And uh, I wish I was going to that one. That'd be a cool event. Well, I know some folks are going to be going there. You, it's still a few months off. You might. Yeah, I'll have uh, never one month old kid. So oh, that's right. <laughs> not be going. That's right. I forgot about that. I forgot yeah. about the due date there. Yeah, I'll bet you didn't forget, but I did. All right. So, you know, before that, of course, you've got uh, Antalya, Shanghai, and Medellin uh, for the uh, World Cups. And, uh, I, you know, I haven't heard any word about whether the tragic circumstances in Turkey are affecting anything involving oh, yeah. the World Cup plan for Antalya. And I haven't heard anything about whether some of the issues going on with China are affecting Shanghai. But uh, I do know that, for example, some teams are not planning to go to, to Antalya. Korea, prominent among them. But um, probably they will go to Shanghai and Medellin. And then you've got uh, other big events. You know, you've got the World Youth Championship taking place in Ireland this year. You've got the World Para Championship taking place in, uh, in Czech Republic in Pilsen. Um, and, of course, the, the event that you brought up a few moments ago will take place in Berlin in uh, 31st of July through the 6th of August. That is the World Championship. And uh, I think that that is something for us to focus on a little bit here. You know, it's the World Championship for recurve and for compound. Still no barebow. Uh, it's gotten too big, I think, for them to be able to add another division. Um, unlike USA Archery, they will have team rounds. Did you see where USA Archery is not going to have team rounds in the Nationals? No. Yeah. What's happening there? No, we can talk about that separately, but it looks like USA Archery does not have team rounds on the schedule for Nationals this summer. Well, they'll probably add that in. I don't know, because the schedule looks full. Why would it be? Like, what's the... I don't know. I don't know either. You know, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll talk to Rod Menzer and see if he's got an opinion on that subject. Maybe they are going to add it in. Maybe you're right. I don't know. But as it stands right now, we want to talk about World Cups. Um, last World Cup grand final was won by Mike Schlusser for the men and Sarah Lopez for the women for the compound category. There's every chance that they could repeat this year. In my prediction, I have them repeating, both of them. Really? Yes. Okay. Because I think there's a few other candidates for a possible you know, uh, at least contention for that. Nico Girard from France, for example. Certainly. Um, I think we have to look at uh, a couple of other shooters, uh, but Nico Girard definitely is, I would consider him to be a, a top contender right now. He's number one in France, and uh, he's doing well on the world ranking list for whatever that's worth. I think he's second on the world ranking list. 
know, the world ranking list has been tweaked in such a way that kind of makes it very difficult to really understand right now because there's this sort of combination of expiring points and then they're throwing in indoor as part of it and they're throwing in yeah. field as part of it. So it's not completely transparent to me exactly how the formula works. But Yeah, and if you don't, you know, it's just not a... With that said, though, Mike yeah. Slusser has got 401 points and Nico is second with 249 and a quarter points. Both so those guys a, kick butt indoors and out. Yeah, but the compound good, lifts are pretty accurate. The recurve lifts is where we get problems. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think that might be where we have an issue. For the compound women, um, you got uh, Ella Gibson, Paige Pierce, Sarah Lopez, one, two, and three. Um, you know, a number of outstanding women. But, you know, I think we could be looking at uh, Sarah Lopez, like you're, like you're saying. She's got the experience and she's got the ability. Mark it down. That's my prediction. All Mike right. and Sarah, World Cup final repeat champions. Steve Anderson predicts a repeat. For compound, for recurve men, presuming that they decide to shoot the thing. Yes. I'm going to say Kim Woo Jin has just as good a chance as anybody That's who to do it again. Kim Woo Jin won the last one. The way he shot at the last one, I can't see him losing a match like ever again he in his so life. so dominant. Unless he shoots 12,000 arrows at, down a Kyoto hallway. Yeah. Yeah. And his arms fall off. That could be a problem. That's the only way I see him losing. Yeah, you might be right. If he loses a match this year, I will assume that the day before, or sometime shortly prior to that match, he was in Kyoto shooting 12,000 arrows <laughs> in 24 hours. I want to see if um, I want to see if Mete Gazos starts making a push back this year. I don't know. I have. Uh, I had him in my in one of my predictions, and I I pulled him, but I thought you know it's it's probably a year from a year removed from the circus that comes with winning the Olympics. Things have probably settled back down. He's back to work like normal, and I think he's going to be a major contender again. Okay. I, I don't Not have, that he wasn't last year, he just wasn't what he was in years prior. I, I had the impression that he kind of took it easy last year. I didn't have the impression that he had the same intensity that he brought to the game um, preparing for the Olympic Games. Right. You know, if you listen back to any of our podcasts from 2021, we, specifically you, were already predicting long before Tokyo that he was going to be a force to be reckoned with. You actually called him out as... You know, a dark horse. Well, you, actually, at one point, you predicted he would win. I don't recall that entirely. I do. But I recall that because you were right. So, you know, when you when you look at that from that perspective, I would say, yeah, there's a possibility there. But there's so many other talented shooters. And remember, Miguel Alvarino from Spain, another one who's, you know, been consistently good. Yeah. Right? Is he um, going to keep that form? I don't it's hard know. to stay up there. It is. It's hard it's to hard. stay there. And, and Brady is not to be counted out. Brady Ellison is not to be counted out. You just don't know, you know, when no. he's going to be able to bring it. Guy shot an 1195 indoor recently, yeah. so yeah, I'm not counting Brady out. And Florian Unruh comes to mind as somebody who's got some potential. I have I have Florian in one of my next picks. Not for World Cup final though. I know where you're going with this because of where it's going to be. Yep. And then uh, let's just talk about the women for World Cup final um, for the recurve. The women is tough because Ooh. you don't know who's going to go. You don't know because Korea hasn't picked their team yet, for one thing. 
Well, I think if uh, one, you don't know if Korea's going to go, and two, you don't yeah, know if they're you don't know if they're even going to go because it's after the whole thing, and sometimes they just don't do it. I've got Ansan locked in as the winner if she goes, if she's on the team and goes. Yeah, uh, let's say it's a non-Korean, Katharina Bauer. I'm gonna go with uh, Michelle Kropen has that opportunity. I'm going with Andreoli. Okay, from Italy. Tatiana Andrioli. Yep. If not her, outdoors, eh, World Cup final. I'm going to say Brioni Pittman. You know who impressed me this past season? Gabby Schlusser. Gabby shot really well indoors. Boy, I, I hope she carries it. I watched her shoot in Taiwan, and she was spectacular. Seems I, to have gained a confidence in finals matches, yep, too. Agreed. Katharina Bauer, Brownie Pittman, Ann San, join me soon, Casey Koffold. Where's the uh, World Cup final going to be? Uh, World Cup finals in Mexico. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to, yeah. I'm sure they're going to pick Alejandra. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, it's for like the home in her team. hometown. Yeah. Yeah. She could be a dark Alejandra horse Valencia. Yeah. yeah, it's very possible. She's a fierce competitor. She's pretty good. She is, and, and a great image for our sport. All of these ladies are. So, we'll see. I, I think that'll be, that'll be interesting. But uh, my bold prediction, if I have to pick one, not knowing anything else, I'm going to pick Casey Koffold. That was another one I had on my potential list. There's my bold so my, prediction. So my, if it's not Ann Sam, I had Casey, Tatiana Andreoli, um... Gabby and Laura Vanderwinkel. All right, now let's turn our attention to Berlin. Let's go to World Berlin. Championships. This is a this is a dangerous game to pick who's going to win a World Championship because no matter what you pick, odds are you're going to be wrong. But um, yeah, the, let's talk about why when yeah. you pick World Cup final. So when you pick a World Cup final, you can kind of count on who's going to be there because it's a consistency over the season thing. Mm-hmm. So. Provided they go to all the events and provided they have a consistent season, they don't have to win a single one. They can get to the World Cup final. Now they just got to win three matches and it's over. So you can kind of know who's going to be there a little easier. The World Championship seems to always throw the dark horses because it's a one-off. Who had the best weekend? What did they benefit from with others' upsets? It's... You know, there's a lot that can happen fast. And on the recurve side, there's another level of pressure. Yeah, now the Olympic qualifier. So that adds a lot to it. Yep. So you're right. But with that said, compound men. I think Mike Schlusser has a shot at this. I've got, yeah, I've got Mike or Nico at this one. Yeah, but I also wouldn't rule out, um, I wouldn't rule out the reigning world champion, Nico Wiener. There's about... 10 guys who I wouldn't rule out. Yep. Um, I don't know who's on the American team yet. Correct. We don't know. I mean, it could be Chris Schaff. It could be... Chris would uh, be... It could yeah. be Jimmy Lutz. If Chris can... Uh, these guys start their trials for this, I think, at Arizona Cup? Yeah, I think you're... Yeah, you are right. There's an event before and after Gator Cup as well yeah. to finalize it. So if Chris can get rolling outdoors quickly... You know, yeah. keep that and momentum And he's been working going. with Brady. Yeah. You know, we had him on the podcast for episode 200, and he explained he's been working with Brady. Brady's been keeping him motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, It seems like it's a powerful combo. He's got to make the team. 
that's the hard the hard part initially. Sometimes it's harder to make the team. Now, here's my wild card for you. King Kim Jong Ho. Yeah, I could see that too. He was the one who's been shooting really good scores for the Korean team. Yes. He's my wild card. The world ranking list does not tell you the whole story of what's happening. Just keep that in mind. So Kim Jong Ho, uh, especially with Coach Rio Wild in the box for Korea, could be an interesting thing this year, Steve, with the compounds. For the compound women. I'm going to throw out a, a real dark horse. Go ahead. Are we still on the men? Yes. Okay. I don't know if he's on the team either, but Rishab Yadav. Oh, yeah. From India. Yeah. Uh, he was a very, very nice human being. I, uh, Super nice guy. I got to meet him in Vegas, and uh, we've corresponded since. Super nice guy. And really talented and not an older guy. He's, he's definitely he's got like a future. He's 19 or something. Yeah. 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 I think your, your, your call is a good one. He's absolutely got a shot. Very good shooter. I will expect to see him at least on the podium. That's, that's a, a bold prediction in and of itself. Okay. For the women, boy, this one, this one, I think we're going to see somebody that we don't expect for the compound women. Jyothi Venom, I'm, India. I'm glad you brought it up because that's exactly what I was thinking. That's my pick. Jyothi Sureka Venom of India could very well do this. So could... She's been close before. So could a couple others. I mean, you know, you could argue that Tanya Galantine is kind of due. Tanya's shooting really well. Ella Gibson, Ella Gibson will be there. Paige Pierce, Sarah Lopez. I mean, this is a... Yep. Don't you think compound women is really, really competitive compared to, say, 10 years ago? Yes and no. I actually think this year it's a little down from where it's been maybe five years ago. Oh, yeah? But... Still, it's way better than, say, uh, like early 2010s or so, you know? So, yeah, 12 years ago. 13, so, Berlin. Well, I don't know what year it is. Berlin. This gets back to what we brought up earlier. You know, it could be that Florian Unruh could win this thing. I have him as... I'm going total hometown. Florian and Michelle Kropin. Okay. Individual world champions. Yeah. Yeah. That would be spectacular. Here's the thing. I really like what I'm seeing in Germany. I like what the Deutsche Schützenbund has done with the sport. I like the growth we're seeing in Germany. The what? The DSB, the Deutsche Schützenbund. I like the way you said it. Yeah, okay, <laughs> thanks. Thank you very much. You sounded like the guy from the commercials. Well, anyway, <laughs> what commercials? Uh, the Volkswagen commercials oh. here in town, the local radio station. Yeah, I, I really like the way the Farfag Nugent has uh, yeah. done their thing. And, you know, as the Farfag Nugent is going to be picking the team for Berlin this year. <laughs> no. All right, seriously, though, the, the, uh, the opportunity is there for a home team advantage, for sure. And if they don't do it individually, I think we'll see big things from the team from Germany. I but, think they're underrated in how they've approached the whole aspect of this. And I watch, Katarina Bauer does really well on, yeah. on Instagram. So yeah. you see her stories and she'll explain what her training is for the day. Yeah. And what they're... Currently ranked number one in the world, by the way. Currently ranked number one in the world, dealing with a little hand injury right now. Uh-huh. So she's explaining that too. Anyhow, it's been a good insight into their approach. And uh, Oliver Hayden, their coach, Yeah. he... He might be on to some. I think he's building a tougher group. I think they're tougher than most. 
They've also got Mark Dellenbach, I think, still yeah. coaching there. And Mark's Mark, of course, there. did a huge amount of work with France for so many years, took them to their heights. Um, and now he's, you know, um, been doing great work. Oliver, super experienced. Mark, super experienced. So really good coaching staff. Um, you know, it's a fact right now that at least based on the numbers that I've seen, Germany has more shooters than France even. Hmm. Which is an amazing, amazing accomplishment. Well, they're on and you the gotta right give path. Lisa, you gotta give Lisa Unruh some of the credit for that. Her silver medal at the Rio Olympic Games, and then her performance in Tokyo. Um, Team bronze, right? Yeah, Team bronze. That really helped promote our sport so strongly in Germany uh, that I think DSB saw a pretty good surge of interest, and I think that uh, it's going to be very interesting. I think we may have talked about this, but you know, we saw Lisa in Nîmes, and she seemed super happy. Yeah, she's got a you know a job coaching, I presume. Yeah, I think so. And she uh, seems to really enjoy being at the event on the more coach slash administrative side than yeah. as an athlete. Yeah, <laughs> I can understand that. But she's also bit. pursuing her police career, from what I understand. I don't know. But, um, at a high yeah, level, she seemed know. pumped about it, and just as a whole. As a whole, their organization has been on the rise. Yeah, you know, super native. professional organization. Mm-hmm. Of course, remember that uh, DSB covers all the shooting sports in Germany, uh, not just archery. So what does DSB stand for again? Deutsch Schützenbund. Yes. Anyhow, <laughs> see, I'm picking the I'm I'm home crowd in this one. <laughs> if only this were on video. All right. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, but, you know, again, the usual suspects, man. Kim Woo-jin, uh, the Korean team. I mean, who knows? We could even see Ojin Hyuk come back for this one. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I heard he's, you know, heard he's dabbling again. It will be interesting to see if he makes a team. I would not hold it past him. My wild card for a medal, Takaharu Furukawa. For a medal... Yeah, I, I don't know. He's a he's a Olympics guy. I mean, seems to be what he is to yeah, me. Yeah, but we'll see. All right, so. I'm going to say a wild card that's not really a wild card for a medal. Um, I'm going to go with, I mean, this is kind of weird to say, but. Uh, I'm going to go with Dalmeida. <laughs> Marcus. I say he's the wild card, but he's the current world number one. And undoubtedly the finest mustache of yeah. the top ten recurve men. Yeah. I think he'll continue to have a good season, though. I guess we'll see. We'll find out. I it's really it's a know. weird thing, recurve, because you got guys. It's like watching soccer when you hear or football. When you hear they, they say, oh, is he on form or whatever. Recurve has ups and downs. And I think... It's harder to be consistent in recurve than in compound, for sure. And Marcus kind of finished the last year on an upswing. Um, Like we talked about Miguel Alvarino. He had a huge year all year. He did really well all year long. That either propels him, gives him confidence, and he continues to get better, or he's like a little wiped out from that. He peaked early. It's hard to say. I hope he continues to get better. It's better for all of us if everyone gets better. It's more fun to watch. The uh, calendar is a little uh, interesting. There's a nine-day break between Berlin and Paris. 
And uh, Paris World Cup starts on the 15th of August, so nine days after the conclusion of the World Championship in Berlin. And then uh, about three weeks later, you've got your World Cup final in Hermosillo, Mexico. Got a new dark horse. I'm listening. Den Habgen from Slovenia. Oh, yeah. You know what? Talented. He's very good. All right. And he's believing more and more. He kind of explained to me his training regimen for the next year. What's that? Uh, Is it uh, kind of something that you guys discussed in confidence a little bit? Or is it just lots of arrows like Chris Schaff told us about? I can't explain. I can't explain. It's nothing that you would think. All right. not, literally, his, his program has nothing to do with... It's not video games, is it? No. Speaking of video games. It's his way of creating a program, how he's going to create the time. Oh, I see. So it's very interesting. I'll tell you after the show. Okay. I'll leave everyone else totally hanging. I'll look forward to hearing about it. Uh, believe that we've got uh, they've already set World Cup dates for next year they've got them set for Shanghai Yichon Korea and Antalya Turkey before the Olympic Games so at least that stuff's kind of knocked out of the uh, out of the schedule be nice to have it back in Korea they did a great job so the same place it was last time it's a different place, place different place yeah Korea was awesome Korea was awesome You've also got, of course, the Asian Games, which will be taking place. And that is a, a big focus for, uh, obviously, Korea. Um, and one of the reasons why they hired Rio Wild as their compound coach was to make a mark at that event. Where is that one? That's going to be in China. This year? Yeah. Toward the end of the year. So that'll be a big deal. Uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that we have... So many events, and there's going to be so much action, it's really going to be difficult to uh, do all the events on the circuit for some of these competitive shooters. They're going to have to pick and choose some. You know. I got a new dark horse. I'm listening. Outdoor women's recurve. Outdoor too. women's recurve dark horse. Let's, let's hear it. And again, I don't even think she's a dark horse, but I'm going to trot her out there as that. She could win either event, World Cup final or World Champs. Penny Healy from Great Britain. You took the words right out of my face. Penny Healy from GBR. Yep. Yep. I was about to bring her up. She's a baller, man. She is. She gets out. She's a competitor. She is a competitor. what I see in her. She almost fell off a podium, but she is a great competitor. I don't don't know about that. Some folks have to catch her. uh, (laughs) Well, yeah, I just... I. have watched her shoot finals and she's yeah. a there's people you can watch them shoot the final and they like they might win they might win but they didn't defeat their opponent yep um she will she will beat her opponent right yep she'll go and win she'll dominate the match she has that killer instinct yeah i wouldn't describe it that way because she always has a broad grin on her face when she see whenever i seem to see her shooting right I mean, I, I'm sure she's a gentle soul. I don't know her very well. But I will say she has the proven ability to bring it when it counts. Yeah, that's uh, that's the key. So if she can get there, if she gets in a final, I like her odds. No You're not wrong. Who, no matter who. You're not wrong. I had the same thought. When you, when you brought up the idea that you had 
a another dark horse to mention. She was the very first name that came to my brain before you even said it. So I think we're on the same page on that. So it's it's it is meant to be. Yeah. There's well, other people out there who've who've had really good seasons so far this year. One of them, uh, I got to speak to um, after he won the Indoor World Cup, and that was this guy, Steve Viler from Netherlands. Steve Viler has won his second World Indoor Series event. He's here with us at uh, Vegas 2023. Steve, another amazing performance. How did it feel? Yeah, thank you. Um, it feels really great. I've been shooting a lot of really good scores lately in practice, and I did a bunch of really awesome competitions this year. But I actually didn't win any stages. So I went to three World Cups, and I became eight, seven, and some stuff like that. But all the time with really, really high standard matches. Um, but these days it feels more like not... Um, like I have to say, you need to you need to clean the match, otherwise you won't win anymore. And that's what I did yesterday. So I cleaned uh, three of my four matches, went up in the final, and also dropped two. So that ended up in the shootoff, but I eventually won the shootoff. So that was great. And you know, going through when we were talking before we decided to start recording, you know, one of the things that um, makes you unique is you're actually looking to see what your competitor is doing, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Even just before the shootoff, I was looking against a Korean guy, uh, what he shot, and he shot a line of 10. And at the moment, I was like, yeah, I can do this. And that speaks to your mental game. I think that you like being challenged, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. I'm not afraid of losing, so I just always want to know what my opponent is shooting, and I'm just going to try my best and see if I can get it. You know, a lot of shooters will, um, will say, well, you shouldn't, you're shooting against yourself. You're, you're really there to shoot against yourself. You're, whatever your opponent does doesn't matter. Even I've said that in the past, you know, to some people that worry about such things. But I think there's also something to be said for somebody that can get fired up by that competitive aspect. Yeah, I think absolutely. Definitely for me, um, if I'm completely honest, I don't really agree with it's uh, that it doesn't matter what your opponent is shooting. I do really think that it does matter. For me, I don't care if I shoot a 26. If my opponent shoots a 25, I still have two set points. Like... I don't mind. I just want to win each and every set, and if I get to six set points, I will win the match. That's easy as it gets. This, uh, just has changed gears a little bit, this Olympic cycle has been the shortest in history for people like you who've come from competing in the Tokyo Olympic Games and are now preparing for the Paris Olympic Games. What has that lost year done from the standpoint of your training schedule or your, your ramping up for the Paris Games? To be honest, I do really like it. Um, I think, or I believe that four years is maybe a little bit too much. And like we are all in the flow and competitions are going good. So I don't really mind that we only have three years. If it was up to me, we only had one year. It's an interesting answer. I like that. You know, when we talk about uh, that preparation process, a lot of events this year, we have a world championship in Berlin, um, a number of other events. As you are looking at this event, are you now going to wind down your indoor or are you going to maintain indoor and go right into outdoor? What's your training plan? I'm going to maintain my indoor. Um, I do really like the mental aspect of shooting indoor and I think it's mentally more uh, tough than shooting outdoor. So that's why I always do every indoor competition I can get to. Um, but for sure the focus will be on 2024 in Paris. 
So after I get back from this Vegas shoot, my sights will be on 70 meters again and going to South Africa for a training camp and then we go straight into competitions. So South Africa is going to be basically summertime conditions from that standpoint. Is that one of the reasons why you're headed there? Yeah, absolutely. It's summertime right now. Um, we have a really good friend over there, Sean Anderson, who owns a farm that we can just hang out, relax and train a lot. Uh, there's also no internet, no cell phones, so life will be good. No distractions? Absolutely. Okay, well, we'll look forward to seeing you on the circuit as you shoot World Cups and as you move toward World Championship in Berlin this summer. And uh, just a fantastic job, Steve. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. So, some interesting words from Steve about his uh, plans and his schedule, and I think that, that uh, that's yet another guy that we can't count out. Yeah. You know, talented kid. Has been for... A few years now. If I hadn't home teamed the Germans in yeah. Berlin, yeah. I may have picked Steve Weiler. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? It's the same time zone. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of capable shooters in I think men's recurves maybe as deep as we've ever seen it. Yeah. You're not wrong. It's no longer a foregone uh, conclusion. At least as deep as I've ever seen. I've only been watching it since two thousand ten ish or whatever. Well, understood, but you know, I I I I won't call it an advantage, but I've been looking at it for a long time as well. And, you know, the dominant players have come and gone on some levels. I mean, you know, it used to be um, Finland was one of the absolute dominant. If, if somebody from Finland showed up, you knew they were going to take a medal home. You don't know what color it was going to be, but you knew it was going to be a medal that went back. Why do you think they Finland. were so good? A combination of a strong federation with a focus on good training and talent. And I think they still have the talent, but I don't know for sure what the situation is with the opportunities they have for training there. Yeah, you don't see them in a lot of places. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we used to see them all the time back in the 90s. Uh, they were very, very strong. Um, kind of fell off the map starting in the 05, 06 time frame. But with that said, I think... Um, you know, I wouldn't count out those guys to be ready for possibly for Paris, depending on what they can organize. And then there's the big unknown, of course, and that is what's happening with athletes in both Russia and Ukraine, right? I mean, it's a terrible situation for an athlete on either side of a situation like this. It looks like right now IOC is probably going to reopen competition for Russian and Belarusian athletes. Um, I, I know there's controversy about that. It'll be interesting to see whether they've been able to maintain their training, whether, you know, basically having been locked out of international competition has a big impact on them. Of course, they, they probably will not be allowed to compete under their own flag. That's not something new for them. <laughs> Um, I, I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. That could be a, you know, that could be an interesting factor to consider, because they do have deep pools of talent over there, and uh, that could have an impact. And we don't know what that's going to be. So, anyway, we've been going on for a bit about this subject, Steve. We've got a number of events coming up. As I mentioned, I'm headed to Japan. You've got a big 3D event that you're getting ready for. Yeah. And. Going uh, to Fort Benning. You're going to be shooting the known 50? Known pro. Known pro. Yeah. Is that 50 meters or yards, rather? 50 yards, yeah. yeah. 
And um, I think, what, what arrows, you got super drives for that thing? Super drive 25s, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pretty That's ideal the choice. choice for me. It seems to be the arrow of choice for a number of people. I yeah, saw that uh, uh, Elisa Runner just won the uh, Italian indoor with Super Drive 23s. I just saw that. I saw that, yes. So she's again, there's another another one, right? Another dark horse. She's yep. she's figured it out. She's yep. shooting really well. She is. So you know what? We are in great times. We have giants walking the earth with bows in their hands. Their names are Lopez and Schlusser and Rohner and uh, Ellison and Coffold and I mean, you know, we got so many good shooters who have personality, who bring something to the sport, who can get it done under pressure. And I think uh, even though we spent a lot of time in the last few minutes talking about who we think is going to win, I guarantee you there will be at least one surprise in the upcoming season. Somebody we haven't thought of. Maybe even a new face, a newcomer. That would be pretty cool. And that's one of the things that keeps this so engaging for us. So uh, we're going to have our next podcast coming up after a short break. Um, probably our next one will be early in the month of May. I will have a couple of podcasts. I'm not talking about me and Steve together. I'll have a couple of podcasts when uh, I'm in Japan with Easton President Aaron Lucky. We'll be talking to um, Takahara Furukawa and a few other folks in Japan. And we'll have a couple more podcasts for you. But Steve and I will get back together again probably end of, end of April, beginning of May. Wait a minute. Where am I going? I left out the whole month of April. Let me back up. Beginning of April. That sounds more reasonable. Beginning of April. Yeah. I'm going to pick up that segment again. Okay. I'm just going to edit that. I'm going to take the knife out and cut that just right Just don't. Out. Just leave it. And leave that part, too. Oh, yeah? Okay, I'll yeah, do why that. Why not? What's well, a better way to end the show? All right. Get back from get back from Japan on the end of March and do a podcast with you first week of April. We should throw out, like, a... I don't know. Anyone who's still paying attention, they probably deserve, like, a token of some sort, you know? Uh, like a dozen arrows or something? Or I, what do you I have mean, in mind? It's not up to me to decide what Easton gives away anymore, but I'm, you know, maybe the first person to email whatever the podcast email is and say like, hey, you uh, said you were going to do a show in May, but you forgot about, like George forgot the month of April existed. To see if there's at least maybe yeah, three so people still listening to this see, point. Yeah, maybe email in. What's the, what's the email? I don't remember. It's a podcast podcast@eastontp.com and I don't know who I got a better that. idea. First person who posts on the Easton Target Facebook page. George's least favorite month. My least favorite month, which is apparently April. Which is apparently April. First person who posts a comment about that, we will send them a Let's dozen. A, is there a post we need to pick? Oh, good question. Yeah. Good question. Let's see. Uh, let's see what we got here. Oh, I, I know. We'll do it on the on the podcast post for this podcast. Yeah, if you post on here, George's least favorite month. Yeah, post post my least favorite month on the Easton podcast post on the Easton Target Facebook page. Uh, you will get one dozen Easton Avance arrows, size of your choice. When did you make that post? Well, I haven't done it yet because that's oh. after this podcast drops. Oh, I got gotcha. you. See? So whoever listens to this So this podcast thing. is going to drop. There's going to be a post on the Eastern Target Facebook page that the podcast has dropped. Yeah, yeah. Somebody will have listened this far along. They will be the first 
to post on that Facebook page, they will get a dozen avances. Don't put any like spoiler. Don't don't let anyone know that there's something at the end of the podcast or anything. Just right. Let it play out. Right. Naturally. Right. Let it play out naturally. This will be a, a form of um, what do you call it? Search engine optimization type stuff. Right. The kind right. of thing the marketing guys are into. I don't to know see if, if, this anybody... is, if that's this, but this is something. Well, listen, folks. If you have yourself actually listened this far, you have our compliments. We're at 52 minutes plus Steve's interview, so I don't know how long that went. But Not real long. Okay. Are we a good hour into this? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what we've been talking about for the last 10 minutes. But so, here we are. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us. Take care. We'll talk to you again soon. This is maybe the worst end of the show we've ever had.